Paws or mm-hmm. OSB or <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome back to this episode of the Upper Room Family Podcast. We are starting our fall series. I'll call it fall season, maybe. Um, so the goal is to put out two episodes a week, get some momentum built back up. Uh, I hope that uh, the summer, just once a week, was a good, um, good just little series for you. Hopefully you took that extra time to spend with your family. But as most of us around the table here will be doing in the fall, uh, deer hunting, put in the iPad the airpods and hopefully catching up on some podcasts and um you know a lot of car trips and whatnot so wanted to get it back to twice a week so i'm joined here in the upper room with the guys again welcome back uh introduce yourselves in case we've got some new listeners oh it's gonna be back i am kemuel watermiller and uh yeah micah russell uh i'm zion watermiller all right, and I'm your host, David Martin, but uh, this is our group that we um, meet about once a month, try to record several episodes uh, for you, and really want to just bring some powerful content that you all can use in your own homes to uh, discuss afterwards, to talk about. Maybe it'll strengthen your marriage, strengthen your family relationships, um, have meaningful conversations around um you know, around bedtime or around family devotions, around family uh, dinners together, beyond just how was sports or how was school today. We really want to cover some topics that are going to be um, topics that I just don't think we talk about that much. And today is one of those episodes. Uh, We're going to start off uh, our series today uh, talking about pornography and what a killer it is, uh, specifically to men, uh, to households. Uh, it's trickle down effect into the lives of of our our wives and our children and um, women, but you know specifically, I think you know this issue here really does affect men primarily, and we're going to cover some of those statistics and um, ways that we can overcome that as Christians. So uh, this topic, this episode, may be a little bit more mature. So if you've got little ones sitting around, uh, maybe. You know, maybe you put in your own AirPods and uh, or listen to it at another time. But it's a really meaningful topic that I know a lot of us here around this table feel very strongly about. And it's a area within the church that really needs to um, see some victory here. So uh, I thought we would just kick it off um, to any of the guys like what when I sent this out, what were your first like gut reactions to an episode on this topic? I would say it's a, has to be pretty countercultural because as the like biblical mandate to be men of fidelity in a in a world that is so like sex crazed within our culture, you really kind of have to be radical in the way you approach this because it's not like you're going to have to look different. You're going to have to do different things than other people are doing to get different results. And I would just encourage you like that's not weird. That's like healthy. Like the men that I look up to most in my life are the men that make like radical decisions to like free themselves from the prevailing weight of like the culture and just how sexualized everything is. So just to encourage you like as a starting point, like this is something that we're going to definitely need to be um, proactive about as men to lead families, to lead them into purity and godliness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think this is not a a new phenomenon that there's uh, sexual perversion 
or or leaving God's <clears throat> good design for sex. I mean, for, since the beginning of time, people have been choosing to leave God's design from sex, and that's often, you know, if you look throughout the the Bible from the very beginning, God warns over and over and over, "Hey, um, cleave to your wife, be faithful to your wife of your youth, <clears throat> and don't be like the nations around you who are doing horrible things sexually." Like sex was involved in their worship. And so they were cultures that worshipped sex, and we as Americans are a culture that worships sex in a lot of ways, that that's uh, now your identity in some way, is your sexual desires define you, and that's just not true. And those things are celebrated in our culture. Um, you guys probably heard the Dennis Prager recent interview, like, and I really like Dennis Prager, like his content, however, just baffling, baffling how he's just like, yeah, oh yeah, pornography is just no big deal better to watch porn than actually commit adultery and it's only hurting you and those it's just lies that's not true it, i mean it certainly is hurting you but it's also hurting every single other relationship that you have because now you are defiled you are a cloudy glass that has to look through the world through that film that's not seeing things right you're you're going to be using people as objects rather than seeing them as people to enjoy so it's it's not good for you it's not for good for the the, the people that are you know, performing these uh, pornographic acts that, you know, you're basically reimbursing that your, your, your time, your money, your, your viewership supports that. And that's mm -hmm. destroying a lot more than just you. Absolutely befuddling how he could make that claim. Mm -hmm. And it's, he's such an educated individual. I just can't believe he's mm -hmm. not educated himself on that topic and just kind of spewed that out. It mm -hmm. was, if you haven't heard the statement, I'm sure it's all over, you know, but it's couldn't be a uh, uh, more blatant lie than, <laughs> to have that opinion than than the truth. But Zion, you're going to say something. Yeah, I was. The first thing that I thought about when you sent this out was I thought about what is the church's role and in context of the church, how can we have a people that is like set apart for God and what's the elders role? And what's the men of the church's role in fighting sexual morality? Because when you look at the New Testament, Paul's like not silent on this issue to the churches because mm -hmm. Corinth was like a lot like our church is in American culture. And they were just steeped in like sex is God, sex is the goal, like as much pleasure as I can have is my goal, comfort and pleasure. And a lot of that has seeped into the American church. And so. I was thinking through in the context of how can we as a church and as a people and men of God, like stand on this issue and raise up the next generation and train them to be faithful husbands, faithful brothers, and like faithful fathers. And it was also in the context of the Sound of Freedom movie that I watched, mm -hmm. because one thing that that did watching that movie is it gave me a very righteous like anger at like this is what it actually does like mm -hmm. this is the Where death yeah. this is the <clears throat> death that is involved with this sexual sin and this is what you're feeding mm -hmm. when you're feeding your lust you're actually hurting other human beings on a very deep level and mm -hmm. so that was it was that really opened my eyes and then it was also like just raised the question for me it was like what what do we do as godly men to change the norm to turn the tide and to be like a people set apart for God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's 
exactly where I wanted to also get you guys to, uh, to be prepared and to come to discuss that. Um, we've all got our Bibles around the table, of course, uh, I think as men of God, right? We should have our Bibles with us. Uh, I love Bill Robertson and he has his Bible like, all the time, like to the store, to every, like, I just, I want to be that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of person. Um, but when I was preparing the verse that I was reading at the time and what I'll share here is Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And I think pornography definitely fits in with that. And, you know, it's the first thing that's listed is sexual immorality um, in that verse. And we're supposed to put to death whatever is earthly inside of us. We know that our our flesh wants to lust after flesh, especially um, our, our our male perspective. I think we we see beauty, we want to uh, look upon it, and you know our flesh, our, our our fleshly man wants to engage in those types of fleshly desires. But you know what's written here is that we need to put to death whatever is earthly inside of you, whatever your natural man wants to do. And the first thing that's listed is sexual immorality. Then it's impurity. And then this word passion, I thought, well, that's weird. Like we always tell kids to follow your passion or, you know, what's your passion? But passion is actually the Greek word pathos, which means affliction of the mind, especially lustful compassion, right? So this idea of this lusting after this, this affliction of the mind is what that word means. So um, just want to encourage you all when you're reading these, if something doesn't make sense, have a Greek lexicon go back, look at those original meanings of those words, because quite often in our English translation, it just, it it may not totally make sense until you truly understand the root of it. But, you know, right here, it's like, it's a very active thing, put to death, right? Uh, We need to kill, and pornography is set, you know, the title of this episode is Pornography is a Killer. Pornography is trying to kill men, to kill marriages, to kill uh, what God has rightly ordered. And, you know, we are supposed to do the opposite. We are supposed to go on the offensive and put to death whatever is earthly among us. Chief of those is the sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to go off what Dave said and to kind of give a little more like biblical context to support that. In um James one fourteen, it says that but each person is tempted when he is lured by his own desire, and when the desire conceives it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And I think a lot of people in our culture, will told, we're, we are told to look inside of ourselves for answers. And we're told that like our base human state is something to be strived towards and be like, you just need to find out more about what you want and what you feel. And um, part of the gospel and the message of Christianity is that um, we've been bought with a price and we're called to honor God with our body and our body we are born into sin and we're redeemed through the holiness of like jesus christ and we have that gift so we don't view ourselves as righteousness it's not a righteousness of our own but it's like a righteousness of god and so mortifying the flesh which just simply means like you have to have the understanding that your flesh and your base state and your base desires like you are called to transform your mind and renew them renew those desires to be holy versus being like this what we see in our culture like oh no i feel these things therefore i will become this because that must be the greatest that must be my chief end of man and we're not the chief end of man is not to glorify man is to glorify god 
and to just have the perspective in this conversation is really important that like we're not looking into ourselves we're looking to what god says and what god says is holy and we're becoming those type of men and we realize that that's going against a lot of what we feel and what we want and desire because desire innately just human desire it can be is very sinful at its core and so we're called to put that to death i think it's uh very necessary to have a, a correct belief system i think uh, i love the verse that kem just read if you keep reading it says don't be deceived my dear brothers and sisters every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heaven lights who does not change like shifting shadows so that part every good and perfect gift is from above we don't believe that. <clears throat> That's why there's pornography. We don't believe that God is the ultimate pleasure. We don't believe that he can actually satisfy our sexual needs, sexual desires. We think, oh, I, like Kemp said, I've got to go my own way. <clears throat> I have to follow me and my own thinking and my own feelings regarding these sexual desires. I can't trust God. I can't wait for his good gifts. I've got to get mine right now. And and so it's a it's a lack of faith, it's a lack of trust that our, our heavenly Father, our God, He made us and He He knows us, and we're not our own, as as we said, First Corinthians six, we've been bought at a price. Uh, so that is in the that verse is in context of sexual sin, like that. Uh, you know, He He's in us. So let's not give our bodies over to any type of sexual sin or defilement, because we're you're not we're we are united with Him when we're His. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. And like Dave said, uh, mortify your members, which are on the earth. I think that our culture and especially like Christianity at large, I think one of the reasons why pornography is so widespread and such a big deal, which I think Dave might get into some statistics later, is because what we're told and what we're taught is that you need to like pursue your passion, follow your heart like follow the god within mm-hmm. like and c.s lewis in the hideous strength he was talking about the character and he says when the character falls the god within the character is just following himself he's just worshiping himself mm-hmm. and i think that that's very true about us and when we seek to like jesus is so clear when he says that like anybody who tries to save their life is going to lose it and as a from a Christian perspective, we need to lose our life for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. And so, and Mr. Russell mentioned 1 Corinthians 6, and right before that verse that he quoted, it says, like, flee sexual morality. In verse 18, all other sin is outside of the body, but when a man sins sexually, he sins against his own body. And so it causes death when we instead look to save our life, just like Jesus said, whoever tries to save their life is going to lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. And so mm-hmm. I think it's that deep-seated belief that we actually believe incorrectly, we don't fully understand the gospel, that then we fulfill ourselves with pornography instead of fulfilling ourselves with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What you said reminded me of something that um, this, this man is not a Christian by any stretch, but Russell Brand, um, you know, kind of a philosopher, but he you know, he, he was talking about the Ten Commandments and the one that says, you shall have no other gods before me, right? Like, so basically, like, don't worship any other god but me. And his take on it is something I've never heard in church, but he goes, what this tells me is that humans long to worship. Mm-hmm. And what what God is, this commandment to me says, you're going to want to worship all these other things, but you need to worship me. Now, 
I hope that in his <laughs> thinking that he becomes a Christian out of that because he, you know, I just think he's he's very in tune to we are worship we are, we are a creature that is designed to worship and and we are going to worship other things and when we worship the flesh we're going to give in to those fleshly desires and the chief of that is going to be you know pornography um Zion you shared I was actually going to let you share some of the statistics there um I'll preface it by saying you may think that the church, when you go to church every Sunday and you look out at those families there, that that oh, these men, you know, probably don't don't struggle with this. But statistics say otherwise. Yeah, like the Barna Group did a study in 2014, and they defined like Christian and then the general culture at large. So people that profess to be like born again Christians was like the standard for like Christian versus non-Christian and 64% of people who profess to be Christians uh, viewed pornography monthly and it was like 49% in women or like it was it was 36% in women overall and then like middle-aged women it was 49% and it was like 70% in men they were middle-aged and so from like a widespread it's like 7 out of 10 of the people that are like, I'm a believer, are regularly viewing this in church was what they found in the study. I um I had this stat here that I think are mind blowing. I'm going to breeze through them very quickly because I want really want to get to some practical steps of how to overcome. Right, if you are entrapped in uh, the use of pornography, um, how how can you begin that journey to uh, overcoming that. Uh, so these are the effects of porn in um, the society and church, okay? Over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites, averaging six minutes, six and a half minutes on that site. There's about 42 million pornographic websites, uh, totaling about 370 million pages of porn. The porn industry's revenue, annual revenue, is more than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB combined. It is also more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, NBC. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home, and pornography increases the marital infidelity rate more than 300%. Uh, 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed to porn. So if you've got an 11-year-old, uh, you'd is is it's very possible that they may have already even been exposed to porn and 94% of children will see pornography by the age of 14 that's not just male children that's children 56% of american divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites 70% of christian youth pastors report that they have had at least one teen come to them for help in dealing with pornography in the last 12 months um, 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24, 76% active, actively search for porn. Um, I mean, the list just goes on and on. 55% um, of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. And only 13% of self-identified Christian women say they never watch porn. 87% of Christian women have watched porn. Just staggering statistics within the church. 
who are a people that are supposed to, you know, be standing firm against this, to be actively at war with this. And, you know, we're losing. This is a, I mean, if we're on a battlefront, we're saying we got to rally the troops. Like we have to go on the offensive. We have to have a counter to it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's disheartening. So it's really something the church should be talking a lot more about. And uh, if you're stuck in that, I think we have some tactics for you. So, uh, but any gut reactions to the statistics or, um, you know, how do we, how do we combat that with an action plan? I think it's sad and frustrating. Uh, and I've heard another statistic, uh, Generation Z, that the, this youngest generation sees uh, not recycling as worse than pornography. So it's mm-hmm. this newest generation, it's just they've been raised in it, so they don't even see pornography as a as a negative thing. It's, it's seen as it's just normal. Um, I think <clears throat> to, to battle, I think I'm, I'm a why person. So, uh, I, I think the battling has to start like at a, at a hard issue. Like why, why are we so prone to go there? And I think the, the reason why is we don't, we don't get God. We don't understand him. I think in, in men, especially we have a desire for, for someone beautiful to look at us and smile, to be accepted by someone beautiful. And, and we're looking for God, God, like all good things like beauty, health, uh, generosity, truth, anything that you can see as beautiful and good. That's from God. That's who he is. And we're looking for him. And we're so easy. It's so easy for us to uh, go for counterfeits, to go for second best or third best instead of going for God. Or we have a a soul cry for him, so that's what we're really looking for. Pornography cannot satisfy. It's fueled by shame. It's fueled by disappointment, and it it gets you in a vicious, uh, addictive cycle. And it and it can't satisfy. We're looking for God. That's what that's what we need. So I think at first we have to actually believe that God can satisfy. God can fulfill us sexually. Um, Like he can satisfy until. He gives us, you know, what he has given us sexually uh, in, a, in a wife for us men. So I think we need to actually believe that and train our, train our minds to start believing that. And um, so we don't believe that. I don't think we have any traction to, to actually do other practical steps. So I'll start there. But there are a lot more practical steps if somebody wants to throw some of those down. Yeah, I think... Um... Uh, John Cooper's podcast, Cooper Stuff, had uh, the founders, or I don't know if they're the founders, or at least those who are running um, the program, uh, Covenant Eyes. I think it's a software system, which is really like a screen monitoring. I mean, it monitors even like what you type into a chat bar and uh, will actually take. It's an accountability program. Um, I've never used it. Um, I know that a lot of um, individuals have, um, you know, advertise for it on their podcast, uh, the unashamed crew. And I think, uh, undaunted life and Cooper stuff. And, um, I say if, if, if it's gotten to that point where you need that accountability, where you can't be trusted, um, right now on your own device, that that could be a really, uh, powerful thing. The challenge I find is that, you know, the algorithm 
is set against men in this area, right? I mean, pornography doesn't usually start. You go to your Instagram and go to your search, like you want to search for something. And if what if all the suggested things are women in bikinis or uh, scantily clad women, that's just like your gateway to longing to see more. And the good news that you have about that is you can change that algorithm. You start searching for uh, reformed theologians. You start searching for Christian web pages. You do about 20 different searches there. That algorithm is going to know that you no longer like to look at those things. It will be less likely to suggest them. Um, you know, my Instagram page, when I, you know, um, started it, you know, it just knew that I was a mid 30s male. And so it automatically defaults to those types of settings. And I actually had uh, Julie search in like some different things. And that algorithm has changed over the course of that time. So you do have some control, but it takes it takes uh, intentionality there. And that's why I think so many young people are being um, too many young people have devices like get your kids off of a cell phone. They do not need their own smartphone at 11, 10. I've seen like eight-year-olds with their own smartphone. Like, what do you think they're doing on Snapchat? Why do you think there's even an app that exists that allows you to take a picture that will be seen once and then disappear? Like, these are not family-friendly applications like, oh, it's just Snapchat. Oh, it's just Instagram. Like, these are... they. they I don't believe there's a lot of ill intent there, but they are used to be... Um, vessels and vehicles for the world's business and for Satan's bidding to um, to tempt you and to lure you into these more and more uh, pornographic type sites and images. Mm -hmm. So get accountability, get meaningful accountability. Don't show up to your accountability session and say, man, I had a, I had a failure this week. And then the next week say, yeah, I had, I had failures this week. If that, I mean, you know, take take accountability with your accountability person. <laughs> like it should it should um like yes, there's gonna be times where there's failure. Yes, there's grace and forgiveness for that, but do not use that grace as a license to just kind of continue on in your sin. You've got to have accountability where there is meaningful work being done that you know you can see progress, you can see small battle victories to where you're actually going to win the war. And if that progress slows or ceases, sometimes you need to change it up, find new accountability, or really consider um, how successful, how much effort you're putting into that accountability. But I know this has been a big thing, you know, Micah, for um, like you and your, your young men's group. I know you guys talk about it a lot. Like what, what have you found to be pretty successful in those conversations? Uh, probably a lot of you have heard the analogy of you know a good dog bad dog if you want the good dog to win the fight <clears throat> you have to feed the good dog and starve the bad dog mm. and so you have to do both so therefore to starve the bad dog you you literally have to starve porn you have to cut all access off to it and, and it's probably going to be ruthless it's probably going to be super inconvenient but you cannot allow yourself access to it uh, second, you got to feed the good dog. You have to pour into your mind. Like uh, Christ is enough. He actually, in real life, he is enough. He does satisfy. He will get you through this. You can make a covenant with your eyes not to look lustily at a woman, as Job said. Um, you can do these things. He will give you power to these things. I believe those things. <clears throat> walk in those things. Um, 
regarding accountability. I agree with you said, David, like you've got to like, don't expect other people to keep you accountable. You go to people and say, Hey, I'm going to report to you every week and expect your accountability people to make life hell for you. If you fail <laughs> repeatedly, meaning they're, they're not going to like, Oh, you know, I'll keep praying for you and, and they are going to be praying for you, but no. Okay. You failed again. And again, okay, well now we're telling more people. You, you've got to tell these people now, oh, crap, that's super uncomfortable. I who cares if it's uncomfortable? You're telling your pastor. You're telling these other men because we're dealing with this. Oh, you're still failing? Well, it's, it's going to be worse now. Now you're, we're, we're going to bring it to these people, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it, as Jesus says, if there's sin in your life, cut off your right hand. Gouge out your right eye. Like these things, sin are lies and lies lead to hell. And if you want your life to not be hell, <clears throat> then be serious about walking with God in righteousness because he does give you the power to do that. So expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. The verse that I always default to is, is uh, you know, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, right? So we need to bring this sin <clears throat> into the light, which is what I'm hearing you say by bringing this issue to more elders within your church, more men within your church, bringing your issue uh, to into the light, into areas of light, that are within your life, uh, men, pastors, elders, uh, trusted Christian friends and family members who will give you godly counsel, not their own counsel, mm-hmm. uh, but bringing that into the light. And that darkness has has no no chance. It can't survive in light. Mm-hmm. And so this is a very dark um, sin that encapsulates us. The majority of the time, this sin occurs in times of void, in times of fatigue, at times where your other areas of your life are in chaos and you feel like you can control one thing and that's your sexuality and you just feel like you need to have this control. Uh, so, you know, take those action steps to, um, you know, surround yourself with others. If you're a young man living alone and you know that you struggle at night at 9 p.m., you know, put your put all devices in a separate room. Maybe you um, set up have a buddy set your Wi-Fi, you know, to shut off at nine o'clock between the hours of nine and seven in the morning. Uh, that just might be healthy for all of us to do. Um, but as we wrap up, Zai, I know you got a couple things. They see you scrolling on your notes. <laughs> yeah, I just, I guess, to Micah's point, it's it's really important because Revelation twenty one eight says that. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is second death. And then in 2215, it says, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And so... It's worth it. When Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Like, it is worth not having a cell phone and living your life with the inconvenience of that to break the back of this sin Mm -hmm. that will put you in hell forever. Because what Dave said earlier was you have to change the algorithm, like on Instagram. You have to change the algorithm of of your mind Mm -hmm. because your mind is always going to go to this unless you cut off access. Mm -hmm. You have to immerse yourself in scripture and cut off all access to it so that you can reorder your loves to love Christ and to hate the sin. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say one more thing for uh, any dads listening out there that have, have kids, even young kids, six years old. It's not, that's not too early to start talking to them about this. You know, you don't have to use 
every word, uh, graphic word, but you can say, hey, eventually you're going to come across naked people. You're going to see it someday. And here's what you do. When you see that, you say, that's pornography. And you stop looking at it, and then you come tell me. And just say that over and over to them. Like someday you're probably going to see on a <laughs> billboard as we drive down the road or something, you're going to see a, a, somebody with no clothes on or next to no clothes on. You say, that's pornography. And you don't look at it, and then you tell me. Um, that's a very, I think, a very wise way to protect your family, your kids' minds against it, to, to say, hey, this, I know what that is. That's trash, and I'm not looking at that. Uh, if you have that mentality, the, you're far less likely to, to fall into it because, as David said, the world's, the, the Internet's algorithm is out there to entrap young men especially in uh, an addictive cycle of looking at pornography. So we, we need to train our kids, hey, it's, it's coming for you. We have weapons against it. That's that very practical thing. We have loves greater than this. We, we talk about worship. Worship, that word is worth-ship. What do we think is most worthy? Of course we're worshipers because we value certain things. We think some things are more worthy than others. And sexuality is not the most worthy thing. It's a very good thing, a very good gift from God. But more worthy is him. He's more worthy. We are better off and made to observe him and stare at him and enjoy him more than uh, naked pictures and things like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Just as an encouragement for fathers, practically, like I, one of the greatest gifts like my parents gave me is they didn't like introduce like devices in that just like out the worldly access because. James one twenty seven says, they, like, if you're an unfiled religion, is keeping yourself unstained from the world. And part of the job of a father is to keep your kids unstained from the world. And if they, so what Miss Russell said is like take out the novelty of it, because I think the biggest thing for kids, if it's something they've never even been prepared for, like almost the most addictive thing is the curiosity mm-hmm. and like the discovery of that experience, and that will get them like fully entrenched. Versus if like, oh, yeah, like a couple months ago when I had no clue and I had no desire for this, mm-hmm. like my parents were like, this is what it is and it's sinful and this is what you do. Then they're prepared for it and like, oh, yeah, that's bad versus like, what is this? And I have all these new desires. So I feel like that causes a lot of people to stumble. And then also as a dad, just like we didn't get devices until we graduated like high school. And that was so helpful because like that you're just you're just withheld from so much of the evil of the world. And so you're given a much more like godly perspective. And I think fathers should all practically do that for their families to protect them. I'll conclude with this. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So I think we could all say pornography is none of those. And so we should not dwell on it. We need to instead uh, renew our minds, take those thoughts captive, make them obedient to the word of God and think on those pure things. So, Amen. Thanks for a great conversation. We hope this conversation uh, blessed you, maybe gave you some practical wisdom or advice in uh, raising your family or dealing with this uh, yourself. And if you are dealing with this alone, you don't have to reach out to a colleague, find some accountability, uh, reach out to a Christian brother, to your pastor. Uh, it's not going to be a surprise to them, um, or it may be a surprise, but it's it's better to bring that into the light mm-hmm. and to deal with it um, 
appropriately through the word of God. So thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.